Hi, y'all. I am your host, Ivy Lasseter, and I've taken a little break, and I'm so glad to be back in September. I love that you're listening to this episode on the Four Parents podcast featuring John Bernard, the leader of an organization called Middleman. So pop in your earbuds and multitask while we talk about all the parenting stuff, lessons learned, funny stories, and practical wisdom from normal people who have been there. So John lives in Waco. He is married and has two teenagers and an elementary age daughter. And within this episode, you're going to get loads of details about when, how, what middleman is, and it's awesome. So I'm not going to go into the details. I'm going to let you hear all about it. Um, But I will say, believe it or not, skateboards, old beater vehicles, and Jesus all will be a part of the conversation. John is hilarious and wise, and I could listen to him for hours. So this is kind of a long episode, but I promise it'll be worth your time. Here we go. Okay, so John, tell me about kind of your your growing up years. Let's start like, what was your home life like and the kinds of things that you were involved in early on? Okay. Happy to. So I was born. <laughs> it's, a, it's a big question because yes. it is. It was a while ago. Not it to was point a while out ago. your age, wow. but it was a while ago. Yeah, it was almost a, a half century ago. <laughs> Thanks. Know. That's cool to really establish that <laughs> right from right the, off the bat. And then when you're going to talk about how like I'm a 47 year old skateboarder, I know, and kind of like what an oxymoron <laughs> that is, and what else am I doing with my life? <laughs> I know. Okay, so early on, early on. Early on, um, born 1973 yeah. in South Houston, Texas, which is the city of South Houston. Yes. Um, I love where I'm from. I love that South Houston is its own little municipality there, um, largely Mexican-American. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents divorced when I was two years old, and yeah. so uh, each kind of remarried when I was young. And I was primarily raised in my in the home of my mother and stepfather. Okay. So um, Armando Guevara is my stepfather, and I had um, a Mexican-American community to live in. Yeah. And with, with Mexican-American family as well. And so this kind of helped to shape, I think, my uh, desire to see family or, or appreciation of family that is, that is more than just a nuclear family. Yeah. Because I think that sometimes, I don't know if it's really specific – to any, any kind of racial lines. But I, th- I think that there are some families that consider the nuclear family who you live life with yes. and then the extended family, maybe who you see on holidays. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so I had, you know, I had, I had two families that I was kind of being, being raised with. And, um, and I think one of them uh, was more about the extended family, or at least the culture that I lived in was, was more about the extended family as in Mexican American culture, yeah. and then the other was was not as much, and so I really kind of was raised valuing that fact of cousins, uncles, aunts yes. being around. Yes, and so um, even now, I I just re- remember thinking growing up, like I'd, I'd really love to have ongoing relationship with with my extended family, mm-hmm. and so now it's been fun that as I'm raising kids, that they have relationship with their cousins who they yeah. can see more often, yes. and that you know with grandparents, and and again, not not for these extended family members to be holiday kind of people, but instead like a part of their life. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, so that's South Houston, and um, I mean, goodness, I. You know, all along the 45 South stretch for anybody out there who knows Houston, from 
downtown Houston uh-huh. down to about Galveston uh-huh. is kind of my stomping grounds. Okay. Whoa. So 610, yeah. um, Hobby Airport area, uh-huh. uh, all the way down to Sagemont and beyond. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of re- where I was from and where my friends were from and where we'd ride skateboards and where we would hop on the bus and go downtown and ride during junior high. And So how'd you get, how'd you find skateboard? Like what age was that? So I'm in third grade, and oh I'm, I'm walking down one of the avenue streets <laughs> of South great. Houston. All right, so I want to take you there. Man, is there a third grade picture of John out there? I would love to see it. Oh, man, my head was so large, and my body was so very small. <laughs> it was like peanuts. Okay. The Charlie Brown kind. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that, I'll, I'll, I'll own that all day long. Um, so, yes, I was, I, was very, I was a very small person, but thankfully the, the size of my head, I think, kept me from getting hit by cars. So... So Much of South grade. Houston, just imagine South Houston, Avenue Streets, Numbered Streets. Okay. So I lived um, just between 3rd and 4th on Avenue F. Okay. And there was a public pool down on maybe the teens of Avenue F. We we just covered a lot of ground back then. That was about, you know, just walking and biking, just kind of always being on the go. It was one of those, my mine was, you know, one of those growing up of um, stories of, you know, you come you come in when the when the lights come on the street, oh, right? I know, I know. Very Those much days. that. Very much yeah. so. So, one day I'm walking along Avenue F. I think I'm coming from the public pool, and um, I see a pile of trash as one does on the on on the street. And uh, and lo and behold, I'm seeing a, a skateboard like wedged in the top of this pile of trash, and that's my Excalibur moment, right? So I, I see this <laughs> this board, and um, and I go to it like a young King Arthur and I, and I go to, and I pull it out of the trash and uh, it's a GT coyote. It's a, it's a blue plastic board with, with yellow wheels and it only has three wheels on it. Okay. And so what's kind of fun is that my first experience of skateboarding as a, as a third grader was such that because I didn't have four wheels on my skateboard, I had to ride in such a way where I, where I controlled my balance. This is amazing. And I really, I don't want anybody at this point to feel sorry for me because I feel like I'm making it sound like, you know, woe is me. Yeah. Like here's a little street rat yes. running around on his three wheel skateboard. You know, someone wash his face and, and give him shoes. Yeah. That's not the case. It was, it was like just pure joy. For some reason you I had this. so excited about that. Skateboard. I was so excited about this three wheeled skateboard. And so rode that thing around and uh, had a great time. And it wasn't until I was in fifth grade which again, just with years and such, about 1985, or Christmas 1984, um, I asked for a legitimate skateboard with four wheels on it um, from my mom. And Christmas morning, I wake up and I go out to the tree and um, she, you know, another Excalibur moment, she pulls the board and I mean, that thing was just radiating with, Uh -uh. with just, you know, excitement for me. It was alive. This skateboard was, was alive. It was crazy. Yeah. And so, uh, I mean, I, I grabbed that board and I ran out to the front sidewalk and skated and I fell down and it was, and it was magic. You know, it was great. And it was also the same time when my friends were skateboarding. Okay. So something if very, you weren't the Lone Ranger No, no, it really okay. wasn't. I, and I think that oftentimes as I've now been a skateboarder for almost 40 years, um, you know, it's it's a social even as it's a it's a singular activity, but it's very much a social okay. activity as yeah. well, right? Because it's there's culture involved and and friends and you know, you skate when you have friends who skate. Essentially, if you're going to stay a skater, it's because you have friends who also skate. Okay. Very few kids are going to be the ones who kind of endure through the years of of that type of activity without anybody to skate with. Because going by yourself to a skate spot or a park is is 
pretty sad, you know. Or, yeah. Well, let me take that back. Sometimes it's great. Yeah. However, um, again, like with anything else, it's always better when you're enjoying friends mm-hmm. doing it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm in fifth grade, you know, my friends down the street, they all have boards. You know, we're getting a, a video uh, produced by skateboard companies probably once a year or so that, that we just kind of, you know, completely ingest and we have skateboard magazines. So there's okay. culture there, right? Okay, and there's yes. And there's like pros to look up to and clothes that they're wearing and music that they're listening to. And so even now with skate culture, we say, you know, art, music, and skating, they just, they're, they're like the trinity, they really uh-huh. are. They coexist because you never meet a skater who doesn't really love music. Huh. Yeah. I mean, even a lot of times you go to the park and like guys are listening to music as they're riding. Um, and so just kind of a part of that. And then because it's graphic in nature, all these skateboards that are made have graphics on them. Yeah. All these companies have aesthetics and they have they have uh, just a look. And, yeah. and so... Anyway, skateboarders traditionally are usually kind of graphically minded as well. They, a lot of times they'll be people who draw, you know, or they'll, they'll be a yes. poet or, or like a musician. And so um, that was it for me. I was, I mean, I was done. I was, I loved the fact that as a fifth grader, I could be identified already like as a, because, you know, we all at that age and for the rest of our lives, we need identity. Yeah. And so for yeah. me, I got to pick up the, the identity of skateboarder. And that was just a really cool one to, cool one to have, yeah. you know, it was athletic enough um because i i liked i still like sports but um but it also just had that edge to it and like mm-hmm. that you can do it anywhere in that freedom yeah no one was telling me how to do it like no one was um i was certainly getting uh you know influence but i was in no way getting any restriction yes. other than the bright vice principal who said i couldn't bring my skateboard to school um wonder why that was just yeah because it's so dangerous or just rebellious it was just so <laughs> rebellious like yeah. i was Quick story. Yes. And this is this will really show that like the one time it worked out for me. So here I am. I'm loving skateboarding. It's junior high, South Houston, junior high, home of the Indians. I'm out in the parking lot. I think there's a basketball game going on inside the gym. I'm skating around um, the parking lot. And uh, like one of the counselors had a Mercedes. And we just always would take note of that because, wow, here we are in South Houston, Texas. And the counselor has a, has a Mercedes. And yes. so one of the things that you do back then to be cool uh, when you're a skater is like you jump up on the, the, the trunk or like on the bumper and then you jump off and jump on your board. Okay. So imagine yes, that, right? Yes. Got it. Yeah. Um, it's called a boneless by the way for, okay. for a trick. Um, and so I was, I was doing a boneless or two off of this car. The Mercedes. Yes. Off the Mercedes. Oh, no. And then a teacher came out oh. and I got busted. And it was one of those, like, I think, I don't know if I remember this correctly, but, but somehow they, they, they made me, like the next morning I was to go in to see the principal, you know, cause it was a night thing. So yeah. maybe I got detention, but even now it just sounds funny to think that I, I was written up in some way, but maybe that was it. They were just like, I'm writing down your name, you know, for, and, and then tomorrow you're going to go see Mr. This. Gonzalez. Yes. yes. So I go in to see Mr. Gonzalez and, um, and I tell him what happened. And because there's kind of a, a social hierarchy with skateboarding and like with athletics okay. as well, traditionally speaking, yes. meaning that that the skaters are kind of like the, they're kind of like the marginalized. Okay. Often, okay. That, yeah. Again, that, that was my experience back then. Definitely true back then. Um, anyway, as I told the story, this vice principal actually kind of framed it in such a way. He, and I'm, again, I'm being very confessional here, but he asked, well, did the, were the, were the athletes, you know, cause it was at the, the, while the game was going on. So maybe like a team came out or B team came out or he said, did, did the athletes pressure you? Oh. Into, into jumping off that car oh, on your gosh. skateboard. 
You because as a skater, people are always non-skaters are always communicating to skateboarders like do a you know do a trick right yes, do yes. a kickflip is okay. kind of the yeah, famous yeah, yeah. thing that now gets said yeah and you know what it was just too like the the, the fruit was 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 too low hanging for me not to just go ahead and pick that apple no. and oh and I went for it yeah and what, I was like and I just like turned into I may have even started crying in the oh, moment oh my goodness because I was really gonna have to sell this thing yes. and I said yes sir no. they they told me to do it. And I just, I didn't know what to do, and, I, and I'm so sorry. And he was like, well, I understand. Oh. You're, you're free to go. So you got out of it. The one time that being a skateboarder actually helped me oh, uh, yeah, get out of a jam as opposed to put me in one. So, I mean, in those early days, like, did you kind of enjoy being rebellious in this Oh, way? yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah, th- that was the part of it that I think was really, and I think for many, even today, like the... Here's the deal. Like, tell me that I'm not supposed to ride there. You know, like, tell me that I can't do it. And that's, and that's where you want to go. That's the draw. For sure. Yeah. It still is today. Like, okay. even now, like, my old man body, as it's telling me, like, you can't do that. You're like, I want to do this yeah, so badly. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, again, back then, it, it's like a chip on your shoulder. Like, a skater's like, I don't care. You what know? you say, I'm going to do yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Like, we're straight up, we, we go into this activity knowing that we're criminals because people put signs up saying that you're not wanted here, right? Yeah. So, like, it's it's kind of our own Wild West of, like... And I want to I, when I roll up to a building and I see stairways or like parking blocks or ledges that are that were never intended to be ridden on, and that's what we, that's our skate park. Got see, it. Before before the days of municipalities building all these wonderful million dollar skate parks, yes, all we had literally were the streets and what we built like in someone's backyard. Yes. So that that again that was the that was the build. I mean that was the thing like like never stop hopping fences right like never stop getting on roofs or never yeah. stop you know going into a place where they tell you that you can't go and yeah. so you know watch out for the security like do what you got to do but but go for it and that's that's part of that thrill I think as well huh. even for for many skaters today is just like again because we're we're that's kind of part of being hardcore I guess that way yeah yeah. So tell huh. me, tell me that I can't do it, and I'll show you. I'm that I, gonna show that you. I, I will do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. Um, okay, I want to hear the story about seventh grade when you. I think it was seventh grade when you were yeah. right. You were skating mm-hmm. in the at the church. Okay, so again, a couple of years after starting skating, um, and then I'm at the time I'm at my dad's house because it's one of those like every other weekend kind of things, yes. and so. Yeah. At this particular day, um, we're skating at Park Place Baptist Church, and Park Place has a really good, like, smooth, concrete uh, kind of uh, portiche, I think is maybe the word. Okay, and yes. a courtyard and um, oh, yeah. handrails. And um, for those who know, because actually that campus turned into Southwestern Seminary's satellite campus, wow. it even has this really cool, like, um, mid-century modern concrete roof over the over a driveway area and so even that was kind of cool to jump up there and, and skate on the roof okay so it's so it's he, a perfect skateboard it, it was it was just space. it was just perfect you're right yes. it was perfect and the concrete was was like asphalt was perfectly poured all the way down to like oh man sims bio down there oh wow um it was a great place to skate and so it was definitely a place that you that you'd go to so here we are me and my friends were skating in the parking lot you know sitting on a curb and then um like the door to the church opens up, these guys come out who are deacons, but I'm not, I don't know who they are at the time. And 
they walk over and we do what we always do, which is like, okay, just kind of gather your things because you know that the party's over. We're going to be kicked off. Of yes, here. it's time to go. We've been, we're used to being kicked out of places. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. So like when the heat comes, you know, and just thankfully it wasn't a cop or security guard or something that pulled up, but they start walking over. We're grabbing our stuff and we're like, Hey, we're, we're heading out. And then, um, they're like, no, 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 wait. And then they tell us, so there's a family life center over here and it's a, it's a basketball court. Like it's smoother in there. If you think this parking lot's smooth, you should go check that out. And we were like, what? Like this is, this has never happened. This just doesn't, and it doesn't happen. Um, Because again, there are signs like we know better. You know, that's the thing. Like you know better. Um, And so really, you know, like, can we really do that? And and sure enough, and, and we go do it. And like that was... So that was the start. Like that, the the beauty of that moment of instead of being kicked out, being invited in, yeah, was that um, you know I would I would come to discover this later, and I would I would even try to shape a ministry kind of around this idea. But uh, the fact is, like that's grace, right? Yeah. Like, and and the really interesting thing about that is that there's a lot. See, there's always a liability. There's always a liability in right. any choice yep. that we make. Yeah. But it's important, I think, to make the choice that has the least amount of liability. Um, and in this case. You know, they had the liability of the marble bench in the in the prayer garden that was donated by a wonderful family, um, and they had the eternal liability of my very soul. Mm. And not to be overdramatic, but but really to to think that I I feel like they they understood that 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 liability was of greater concern than than the insurance liability, right? Or like whatever for whatever other reason they could just yeah. say, you know what, man, listen, it's easier for me just to tell you to leave. Yeah. So they invited me in. Yeah. And that's where it started. Like, that's where I felt like I was accepted here for being what. And, and here's the thing like, certainly not the worst of who I was as a skateboarder, but it was one of the things that, that even society says, this is one of the bad things about you. Um, and they were like, we're going to validate that right off. Like, before we know anything about you, all we know is that you're a skateboarder. Yes. And we, and for that very reason, we have something that a skateboarder would really, we think a skateboarder would really enjoy. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yes. Like that's, that's like cut to the bone. Was that your first experience uh, of church? Yeah. Not first, but of being accepted in a church or no? I think, I think maybe in my, with my autonomous self, if that's fair to say, because at that point in life, you know, I've kind of, I've done like the, I've done a couple of VBSs, okay. you know, that thing. Like yes. I've, I've, I don't, I wouldn't, I'd hate to paint the picture that like I've never heard the name Jesus before that point. Right. But I do want to stress the point that, that, that at that point in life, I was, I was a skater. And if you told me like, well, explain yourself, describe yourself, 100% skateboarder. Mm -hmm. And I got nothing else to tell you. That's, that's it. And, And again, back then, what's interesting about the culture is for my generation, it's a little bit different today is that when you were a skater, you were a skater and that, and that was, that was it mm-hmm. today. What's kind of fun is that like, you can be a skater and you can be whatever else too. Like, or you yes, can, you know, yes. today's teenager and today's child, I, I think they're open to do anything and try anything. Yes. But back then there was just, and so even my generation says, um, like, oh, well you're either a skater or you're, you're something else. You right. know, these, these walls are very defined as right. far as your identity. And so I think that's kind of something that we're seeing a shift in. Um, and it's, and it's really kind of incredible because like when we'll do an event at, at a wherever we have kids, it's, it's not about them being a skater. 
we just, kids exactly. just show up. Exactly. Yeah. So I would love to see more and more ministries kind of take that, take that perspective. Again, being led by adults who sometimes put up um, maybe higher walls of identity. For sure. We'd say, actually, you know what? These kids, they're, they're kind of game to do anything. So like, let's use all of our tricks that we got, you know, to, yes. in order to, or, or all of our resources in order to kind of get them to connect with each other and just enjoy yeah. things, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, that was, that was the beginning. Uh, these people were just really kind and, um, loving and, and it was, you know, a multi-generational kind of situation. Um, I in no way would want to, would want to be overly critical about my home life or, or paint a picture, um, that would be disrespectful because as we said earlier today, I, I think that, I think that we do the best job that we can with what, what tools we have at our disposal. Yep. And so often our, our history will dictate what we're able to do um, in parenting. For sure. And For sure. so all that to say, uh, the church was, and that church specifically, that youth group specifically, uh, it was just a haven for me. Mm-hmm. And just these people of margin who love the Lord and who are kind and uh, who I just felt like I could come and, and be a part of and, um, and receive grace and, yeah. and just be, be, be physically fed, um, and be spiritually fed yeah. and be oh, relationally I'm sure they, fed. There was lots of food. Oh, there was. Baptist yes. Church oh my the... goodness. <laughs> Those stewed apples on Wednesday night. <laughs> oh man. Um, and you bet a girl there. I did. A very special girl. Right? I did. Yeah. So the youth group was kind of my bag. Um, and you know, our youth group was really funny. It was one of those big, diverse youth groups racially and also like school wise, we're pulling from all the different school districts and and that kind of thing. And so my experience was kind of fun to be able to go there. And like those friends were, you know, again, they were, they were definitely the church friends later on in life. I would do rural ministry and it was the exact opposite where I'm just like, you know, talking to this kid about this kid. And he's like, Oh yeah. You know, I, I, I've known him since he was three months old, that kind of thing. So my experience was not that I basically just get, you know, went to church and and get this, got this new batch of friends in my life. And, um, well, one of which was Mandy Cagle, the music minister's daughter. Yes. Okay. And Mandy, uh, was, uh, just a really good youth group friend growing up and we had a great time. She was one of those girls that I could really just stand to be around because she was funny and, and great. Um, and then, through as as life kind of happened, I graduate high school. My best friend Zeke, who lived across the street from me there in South Houston, starts hanging out with Mandy over that summer. I come back after working that summer, and and we all, you know, the three of us start spending time together. And that's like when I just discovered Mandy. You know, like yes. whoa, she's and very cool. Yes, 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 she is very cool. She yeah. might be the coolest person I've ever met. Yes, and I think I want to. Uh, I enjoy every minute with um, when I'm with her, and when I'm not, I, I want to be with her. And so, um, however, I had, again, I just graduated high school. She's going into her sophomore year of high school. It's quite the gap at that at that age. It really was. And let me just say, because you know, when you're the fresh, when you're the when you're freshman, and you you're a freshman boy, and you go into high school, and then you have all these freshman girls who you hope would be potential friends to you, and then our dating relationship situations. And then the seniors start dating the freshmen. You're just oh, like, Hey, what's, what's wrong with you? Like, yeah. don't you understand? Yes. That, um, and, and anyway, I should, it's just funny that I turned into that Did guy, that. but it was all actually worse because I was out of high school. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Was her dad fine? with? Oh no, no, oh, no, 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 not at all. And again, like just to remind everybody, this is John from South Houston. You right. know? So it's not like I'm, it's not like I'm, I'm much to look at or, or don't have the most ambition. Let's just say this. I don't have the most ambition in the world. Okay. I'm a, I'm a, I'm an 18 year old skateboarder, uh, from South Houston, but 
it was great. I mean, you know, we, we mostly uh, adhered to the rules of dating during that time. Uh-huh. And um, I stayed in Houston for a couple of years after graduating and then got to got to move off to Lubbock, and we yes. we continued to uh, to date one another. Actually, took yeah. a little time off. She went to Howard Payne. Oh, okay. Yes, and Those um, stinger jackets. That's right. Those yellow jackets. Yellow they're stinging jackets. them with their with their pinkies. Yeah, there we and, go. And then, um, so we it turns out that we got to to date over an eight year span. Uh huh. We, we dated wow. seven years. Oh my goodness. Before getting married. Yes. Twenty two years ago, this coming Saturday. So I've been able to be with her. I've been able to to date slash uh, be married to her for thirty years now. Wow! And then um, and and have had known her several years before that. And yeah. so that's, that's just awesome. that's nothing but a gift. Yeah. Like that's just in that church. Yeah, so good. So Park Place Baptist was was really Sweet good place. to me. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, this might be hard to do because I realize we're we're gonna jump ahead through a big chunk of years. But I want to jump ahead to what you felt compelled to do now as far as ministry and doing projects with kids. Sure. Okay. So So it's a kind of a hard jump because there's a lot that God did between there. But Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think what I would what I would maybe want to share is this. Um Getting into into church ministry, right? Doing youth ministry, yes. Just out of college, yes. Because and really battling with that, uh-huh. because you know, I feel like I feel like with ministry, when you have good ministry pointed at you, even specific to youth ministry, I think it's an important thing to say: Is this what the Lord really is calling me to do, or is it because I had just a, such a great time that I don't want to leave the youth group? Is uh-huh. that fair? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, absolutely. So. I'm not going to criticize anybody else, but I'm certainly going to criticize myself, which I, I do on a, on a moment-by-moment yes. basis. Yes. And for me, that was where I was. Uh, so um, I, I, I really answer the call of ministry and just feel like, okay, I, I get that. Like, I'm not doing this so that I can just kind of, you know, stay in Neverland forever. But instead, right. um, I love that, that an effective youth ministry helped me through some really difficult years. Yeah, and gave you a place of belonging. Exactly. Yes, and yes. even and let me say this too, even allowed me to kind of live on cheap grace for some years, which is what mm. teenagers, I think, you know, willing to argue that with some folks. But I just think by where we are in life, you know, that's really, that's the kindness of the Lord that... It was tough to reciprocate, right? It, it, for me, it was tough to surrender, I should say. God uh-huh. continued to be very good to me. Yes. And yet I would struggle with matters of inconsistency, with being a chameleon in certain situations, yes. of, of, of being very thankful for God's grace. Yes. And at the same time, really, really just being bad at, at being obedient. So that, yeah. was, that was definitely something that I, so that I dealt with. It's, it's kind of like, that's a really interesting thing to point out, I feel like. So for teenagers, that to be someone who, uh, if you're if you're mentoring teenagers, to sit there and go, they're teenagers, and they can be following Jesus, mm-hmm. but they can also make really stupid choices yes. that don't align with that. They and don't we, stop being teenagers. Yes, we are going to continue to love them and be okay with that hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Is that what you're saying? I think that's exactly right. Yeah, that's that's right down the middle of what I feel like, and and I think that was also. Confirmed just in being a parent to bring that, you know, into the fray here, because in my own experience, I'm sometimes so very blown away by what, say, my eldest will say and do and think at times. Yes. And I'm just like, wow, she's like, she gets something that I didn't get until I was, you know, in my mid 30s. 30s, yeah. 
And yet those other moments where I'm just brought back to reality, you know what I mean? And so that's, that's the beauty of that. And that's, yes. the, that's the beauty of, I, I just think that's the beauty of us being, you know, uh, of God being very kind to us, that yes. we just have these moments of greatness in our humanity. Yes. And then we, and then we have these just terrible moments of, of I can't believe that I did or said that, yes. you know? So yeah, yeah we're inconsistent creatures, period. Yep. Yep. Um, and yet, and, and, and the beauty of it is, right, because um, it's not about our faithfulness, but about His. Yeah. Um, and so we continue to rely, and that's, why, that's what makes God so amazing, that He is uh, faithful despite our being unfaithful, and He is consistent despite our being in, inconsistent. Yeah. And so um, that was something that I just wanted to be able to be a part of with youth mm-hmm. ministry mm-hmm. and um, had some really great experiences. You know, I have, I have many friends in youth ministry and I have yeah. many friends in ministry who um, unfortunately had some really hard things to deal with and yeah. some really uh, battle, you know, some hard battles to fight. Um, God was very good to me and that I didn't really struggle with that. I, I had great pastors to lead under. I had, I had church folks who um, allowed me to kind of be the square peg in the round hole kind of mm-hmm. guy. Um, However, when you're in ministry and, and you're in um, called professional ministry, sometimes you you have the potential to fill a position that has been filled by many people behind you, and then also filled with many people you know that will will also meet you know will will be in that role. Yes. And so what that forms is a kind of expectation and a certain mold that that the minister has to fill. Uh-huh. Based on folks who say, "Hey, listen, this is I, how we do it." I've been here for thirty years, yeah, and you know. You're just going to be, you know, and, they'll, and they may let you know that you're, you're kind of in a long list of other people. And so, you know, so all that to say, um, I felt like as I enjoyed youth ministry and, and I wanted to spend time with, with kids uh, and doing the programming that was expected, I, I saw the benefits of that. But I also saw the benefits of just being able to kind of be comfortable in my own skin and like know what, what I enjoy doing and, and the things that I could um, spend time with on with a teenager they would also kind of enjoy the process as well. And I can tell you that there was a kid named Scott who said, hey, John, you have an old truck, right? Yeah. Well, hey, um, like if you work on it, I may have been even talking about this uh, days before, but when you go to do that job where you like replace the valve covers that are leaking oil, yeah. um, and I, I'll always remember this because this was like a light bulb moment. He said, can I come over? And like, see, because I've never looked inside the valve cover, you know, to see like what's going on Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. And I was like, absolutely. So, you know, I'm like, dog ear that, highlight that, like that matters. That moment really matters. And and of course I did, I did that. And I just thought, oh man, you know, instead of mentoring from across the table, let's like mentor under the hood, Uh you know, like let's get our hands on something and let me have him be a part of the process, not just to observe it, but like be an active part of that. You know, and then when I can say, I mean, that's something cool because I can come back a couple of months later and be like, hey, Scott, still not leaking oil, man. You know, good job. Yes. Right? So it's a built-in. Like, he's invested. Yes. Now, that kid's invested in my truck. And so um, from there, it just continued to kind of escalate. And I realized that here I was ministering in a community that values Friday nights because of football games. Mm-hmm. And also, it seems like every other month there was some parade going on down in our historic downtown for some reason. Okay. So I thought, wait a minute, let's go get a beater vehicle and let's go paint it and let's go work on the engine and let's get it all nice and and looking really cool. And let's put like the student ministry logo on it. 
And then yeah. we'll go Friday nights in the parking lot and we'll hang, we'll like greet everybody who's showing up at the game and we'll start like tailgating culture there. Yes. And then we'll also run that thing through the, the downtown at parades and we'll have kids be a part of the process. Yes. And when they see that truck, they're like, I worked on that. I did that. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Isn't that cool? How have you always been into cars? Or when did you get into that? You know, I've always liked them. Like I said, like the, the skateboard from just stuff with wheels. I've always loved stuff with wheels, okay. hot wheels and, and toys. And, and again, a skateboard is nothing more than a, than a toy. So I still like that. Um, but uh, yeah, I've kind of always been a car guy. I was a car kid and then I turned into a car guy. And, yeah. But it, the funny thing was I really didn't start projecting. I don't really come from, you know, a line of, of men who who project stuff. I, you know, I had my dad and my stepdad who kind of worked on stuff when they needed to. Right. But they didn't really have like the joy of doing it. You know, they, they wouldn't like make it a point to say, Oh, I'm looking forward to working on this clunker, you know, and get it and get it to be running really well. So it wasn't until I was like 30 years old that, uh, it was just living in Brenham yeah. And having the traditional, you know, things and kind of, okay, nice vehicles and this kind of stuff. And I woke up one day and I was like, I live three blocks away from the church. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to sell that truck that I drive that I'm making payments on. And I'm going to go out and I'm just going to find a beater somewhere. And I did. I found a really cool old truck that I really liked. Uh-huh. And it was awful. And I brought it home and um, took it apart and just started making it what I wanted it to be. And I made mistakes and I had to research things. And yeah. I and here's the benefit too. Here's the here's the here's the really cool thing about mentoring. And by the way, when I say mentoring, I mean discipling um, yeah. because that's what we do with middleman. Yeah. So when we mentor, we disciple. Um, so I was able to ask some really great guys from church, like to come and help you to come and help and and like lend their expertise and yes. realized they're invested in it now, you know, like, yes. and they're investing in me. And so I'm thinking, wait, everybody's big, winning. Everyone's winning. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let's go. Why do you think, why do you think it works better for a guy to like, let's go, let's, let's do this project together. Why do you, why do you think that works better than, than, than the sitting across the table or, uh, and I mean, I have my ideas, but you've done yeah. this for longer, so you know. But like, then come and let me let me teach you. Let me yeah. let's sit in a circle and have a conversation. Why sure. did why does under the hood work better than the other? Okay, so some of this has to go back also to the philosophy of ministry that I have, however skewed as it may be um, and misguided. But let me kind of explain this idea <laughs> because I realize that in youth <laughs> ministry, here's what I can do. I can yeah. I can I can you know. Show up to work Monday morning having had a full day and then like, okay, now what I'm doing, I'm getting ready for Wednesday night. So I'm going to think about what I'm going to do. I'm going to go uh, work in my Bible study. Mm-hmm. I'm going to work on a game that we're going to play. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to maybe, uh, in, in our case, I always like feeding students. I just think mm-hmm. that's kind of a cool thing, especially kids who um, don't get a chance to eat healthy food, you know, with someone asking them questions and hanging out yeah. at, you know, at a table. So. Um, let's just say those three things are things that I'm now going to be responsible for over the next three days. And then what's going to happen is Wednesday night, I'm going to, well, first on Wednesday during lunch, I'm going to go to high school and beg kids to come to church. But yes. then um, I'm going to uh, I'm going to kind of lay out all my things that I've worked on for the last uh-huh. couple of days. And I'm just going to hope that all these students love what I've come up with. Okay. I hope you guys love the game that I, that I you know, created for you. I hope you love the Bible study that I, that I spent time working on. I hope you love the food that, you know, the moms and I put together for yes. you. Um, and I just thought, oh man, that's really customer service as opposed to family. So family says, 
Okay, so let's take this inside the home too. Okay, kids, you know, I work for you. I, I do everything for you. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to do all your laundry. You know, when you're, when you're off doing an activity, I'm going to go in your room and, and tidy up for you. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to do everything for you. Well, to me, that also sounds like customer service. Uh-huh. So what if... Instead of having this idea of showing my love by always meeting their, 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 all their needs and wants and just continuing to, to just make them provided for so that um, they can enjoy the passivity of their lives, I'm going to say instead, you know what, we've got some things that need to be done around this house. Um, that trash needs to go out. And if you don't take that trash out, then it stays here and it gets stinky and, it, and nobody wins. Yeah. So... I think as a parent, it's important to be able to say, here are some jobs that you guys can do. And they not only um, are a great opportunity for you to have some responsibility, but also we benefit from it. Like, like when my son takes the trash out, like especially when not being asked, I'm just like, dude, that is so great that you did that. Like, like I feel, I feel, I want him to know that like the family as a whole is better for it. And also that I really appreciate it. Yeah. Okay. So to me, that speaks to him that he not only is loved and cared for because his needs are met, but he has value in, in his purpose uh-huh. because he's got, he plays a role in the success of our family and our home life being what we want it to be. Absolutely. Does that make sense? Yes. So applying that to youth group, you know what we would do? We would just like give kids jobs. You know, like, hey, man, you're the one to remember to go around and like clean up the tables. You're the one that's going to be doing this tonight, you know, giving this idea of, well, gosh, when you, when you, when you trust me enough to perform something, you know, again, that benefits somebody else, I feel like I, I really did something there as opposed to, I really feel like I was entertained tonight. I know. Yeah. So no, no, I don't, uh, entertainment's great. Right. Right. And And because that's engaging that we serve our family and you just do the things. No one wants to go to the youth group where it's like, well, (laughs) he makes us work. We have to, we have to do do everything, But but it's a very interesting. Why do our, uh, my brain tells me, oh, it's so much better if I just do everything. Right. But in actuality, it's so much better when everyone feels like right. they have some ownership in it. Right. And it's val- it's valuing to them. Yeah. And you're also getting into a truth which says that, you know, only the hard things are worth doing. But it's funny that when you're talking about like projecting and um, processes, that some of our, some, some of our leadership um, issues that we may have and some of our parenting issues that we may have is basically that old, you know what, never mind. It's easier if I'll just, I'll just do it. Yeah. You know, it'll be more efficient. And I, and I really, I think that's another thing that I, that I question efficiency because to be honest with you, we could, you and I go up on top of one of these roofs over here and we could do a roofing job with the latest and greatest in equipment. Um, or we could go up there with a couple of hammers and some, you know, penny nails and some, and some, uh, aprons and it would take longer, but we would have what I call like the world changers experience. You know what world changers mission trips were about? It no. was essentially youth groups going and putting on roofs at people's houses and they, but they weren't using, you weren't using all the, all the big heavy equipment. They were basically just doing it old school, like yeah. nailing, you know, tiles down onto a, onto a roof. Yeah. So is that the most efficient way to do things? Not at all. But did those kids have like life changing experiences mm-hmm. having done it? Absolutely. So again, I feel like we as a society are all about everything has to be as efficient as possible. Projecting and overseeing projects or, or coming up with things for your kids to do yeah. and giving them responsibility 
is not the most efficient no, thing in the not. world. But when have we ever been told that efficiency is is the way we should live? You know, or, the, American, or the most important. American culture tells us that, right, that right. efficiency. Right. It has us believe that, that inefficiency is, is in some way um, evil, even. For sure. You know, because we're not honoring our time. But, but again, that's a whole different conversation about, well, are we really using our time as, as efficiently as we should otherwise? In, in an effort to be efficient, we're losing a lot of things that are actually uh, valuable. Very much so. Very much so. So, so interesting. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, in the home, you know, in the church and, and with what we get to do with middleman, you know, I'm not saying that, that projecting is the way to go for, for everyone because people feel like, well, I'm not a project person. You know, people will say that. Well, I'm just not a project person. Um, and that's great. My experience was I just had to be. I mean, I yeah. had to be a project person because I walked yeah. the contractor through my old farmhouse that we just bought, you know, and um, he said... Well, it's going to cost you this much, and I was like, "Well, I don't have that much, so I'm going to have to do it myself." Yeah. So I'm going you know, to sometimes, a yeah, yeah, just just necessity is what is what brings it about, and it's a really good feeling to to again hear me. It's not about what I know and my expertise, um, but it's about being able to go to somebody and say, "Hey, can you help me with this?" And yeah. that's that's a really great way to to um, connect with people For and sure. to minister is just to say, "I got to admit." I can't do this on my on my own. Can you help me? Yeah. And and I, I've found that in the church, people love to be asked. They do. You know, to, to use their expertise. Yeah. In in all types of ways. And I don't yes. think we do that enough because for some reason we're afraid of offending people if we're bugging them. Yeah. I know. And I say, nah, I don't I don't believe that. I've seen too many people be blessed when you when you say, I can't do this. Will I you need help your me? Help. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. they feel honored. I mean, that's kind of my, like, one of my love languages. Like, ask me to help, you know? Like, t- tell me that you need to borrow something. And, like, I'm just so thankful. You know, I'll let you borrow yeah. a tool or, or try to answer a question, that kind yes. of thing. Like, that's how, that's how I know that I'm helping a process. Yeah. And having someone then feel that pride of, like, I can't believe I was able to do that. You know, I yeah. would have never thought that I could do that. Yeah. Kids will come up to the shop um, and, you know, a 24-year-old girl will, will come up and I'll say, hey, have you ever, have you ever used a bandsaw before? And they're like, I don't even know what that is. So I'm like, okay, well, let me show you. And then I'm kind of hooked on that too. Like I'm, I'm addicted to having people have an experience that they've never had in the shop before and, and just like enjoying it. Yes. You know, so. Go, I want you to give more details on when you say shop, like what, what you mean by that? Sure. What, what do you have going on? Okay. Well, I got to do youth ministry for about 20 right. years yes. and I got to, do some fun things that were a little bit um, outside the box, and uh, it would help me to connect with a lot of times the type of kid that was just a little bit maybe the uh, well, you know, the skater or the artist or um, the kid suffering through homosexuality, and yes. so didn't really feel like he had his um, uh, you know f- a gr- friend group, and so kind of felt like the oddball or or felt like the marginalized. Mm-hmm. So it was important that I, I always felt like I was connected to these types of kids. Um, and let's just say maybe the kind of kids who, who didn't respond to organized sports the way yes. we, we would hope kids. And that's, that's why we as parents loved organized sports, because it gives them identity, it gives them purpose, and mm. it gives them community. Yeah. But some kids don't have that luxury. Right. And so... I always just kind of wanted to have one eye on on that kind of kid in the community and, and make that kid feel welcome and be and be a part of what we get to do. Um, and then, as the Lord said, "Hey, middleman is going to be something you're going to do not as a passion project any longer, um, but instead full time." 
And so it had started from, you know, scribbling uh, the word middleman or little graphics on these terrible little eBay boards that I bought for $10 (laughs) each and just giving them away like Johnny Appleseed at the skate park, um, thus reflecting grace, thus explaining, you know, who Jesus is um, into enough people coming around to say, hey, that's a great idea. That's a terrible product. Let me give you another $10 and you can buy a $20 board and a $20 board today is actually really good. So, um, Are you doing a skateboard? Yes, yeah, skateboard. Okay, okay. So we start giving these things away, and, and middleman started, kind of starts growing as a ministry, and um, and then about five years ago we make that we make a move. We we literally move to Waco, and we start uh, we we buy a home, and we just start worship or we start ministering in the community, worshiping as well. Yeah, um, both because work is worship, right? It's so. you and your 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 family of five. That's correct. Me, my wife Mandy. Who and are my three kids. Your three kids, mm-hmm. who they're in junior high, elementary school? Well, yeah, I have a high schooler. Five years ago. And then a junior. Well, yeah, at the time. We, we can go back to that. That's right. So homeschool family. Just like that's a big leap of tr- like, okay, I'm doing it. Absolutely. I, my family of five, obviously it's a big for a single person. It's not, it's a big leap of faith. But to be like, I'm going to take my family of five and we're going to move to Waco Yes. And do this thing. Yeah. I would even have counsel from certain pastors who said, this is a bad idea. It's a niche ministry. Niche? It's a niche ministry. Either I think way it works. Yeah. Either way, I think. And he says, you're going to be a perpetual fundraiser, and and I just don't know. I don't think this is a good idea. Um, and so that was, that was one of those kind of discouraging conversations that I had. However, we really felt confident that the Lord was, was telling us to do it. Yeah. And so... Step out. Yeah. I, I go to the pastor and I say, hey, um, we're going to go do this thing because yeah. the Lord is telling us to do it. And, um, you know, the other guy wasn't wrong because you do, you are perpetually fundraising, <laughs> but fundraising in a ministry that, that glorifies the Lord, I don't think there's anything better because what you get to do is you get to invite people in the process Uh, and you get to be able to tell them quite literally, if you didn't care about this thing, then it wouldn't exist, you know? And like, I wouldn't have a skateboard to give away and I wouldn't be able to feed my family, you know, and I wouldn't be able to travel to Richardson to do a skate camp. So like literally it is the people of God and we are, I mean, I want to say we're almost exclusively funded by people who love Jesus. And I love that. I love that. Even even though we get to do so many kind of community focused um, initiatives and and these things that that are that are just good for teenagers. Period. Yeah. Um, I really love that it's that it's God's people who are making middleman possible. Yeah. And so we move and um, just start making relationships. And I'm I'm trying to kind of nurture uh, local ministry in other areas. We have uh, now we're, we've got we got five or six mentors kind of doing the same work, which is local ministry. Uh-huh. Um, some of these guys are skateboarders and some of them aren't and um, teachers and and uh, ministers, just people who really want to, to minister to um, teenagers yeah. who are often in need of, of friendship and, and kind of living in the margins. So we produce things, we, we um, give these things away because freely we've been given, so freely yeah. we give. And we now are at the point of, you know, we, um, we had some friends from a, a church help us build this little 380 square foot shop in my backyard uh-huh. with a porch. Where people and, could come mm-hmm. and work on different projects. Absolutely right. Yes. Work on motorcycles together, um, work on vehicles, build skateboards together. Yeah. Um, just project. This idea of, and we, we said this from the beginning, it's like we want to be at the intersection of, of um, creativity and productivity. Right. Because we're a creative ministry, but we're also a productive one. 
Um, and sometimes you can be maybe too utilitarian yes. and not really remember like, Hey, this is about, you know, the beauty of experience yes. and right. Yes. Like the be- beauty of design and yeah. just having a silk screen, uh, you know, machine and be like, what do you want to make? Let's do it. You know, or like yeah. having access to graphic design, um, software or, you know, a graphic designer and just being like, Hey, what do you think about this idea? Yeah. Or, um, you know, sometimes working with some of the folks that we work with, it might be a kid is like, I want to do my own skate company. And he has great ideas, um, but he also has uh, an, an affinity for marijuana. And so this kid might be the guy who comes up with good ideas, but but it's not exactly motivated to, to do the hard work, yes, you know. But yes. instead, he's just kind of in the cycle of like always talking, always talking, always talking, but never really like doing the doing work it. and producing. And so what we want to do with that situation is also say, hey, stop smoking and also come hang out. And like, let's start putting some let's work do in. This. Yeah, and so has that worked? It has. It has to varying degrees. Yeah. Um, you know, it's uh, one of the cool things that we've been able to do is use some of these twenties and thirty-year-old guys who who aren't really thinking about their future a whole lot. Okay. To be able to say, "Hey, I know that you're kind of like um, doing, you know, your fast food job, and you're still living at home, uh-huh. or maybe you're like renting a room from your brother and his wife." Yeah. Um, what if we had a vehicle that was donated to middleman and we're going to put resources into this vehicle and then we're going to make that vehicle available to a needy family in the community or to a local business person like we've done, um, like with a roofer Uh in town who needed a really sturdy truck. And so I call one of my guys who I know from the skate park and I say, I'm going to give you $30 an hour to come over and spend three hours on this vehicle, just replacing little plastic bits and helping me on this and that. Um, I found that the, that the cool thing about that is that this this kid has never thought that his time is worth that because huh. he doesn't really value time. He doesn't really value his future. He's he's not the kind of kid who's thinking about the five year plan or has parents who are pressuring him to what Get to know what college he was going yeah. to. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's a kid who just lives for today. Yeah. So when I can tell that kid, hey man, your hour someday it might be worth a hundred bucks. Yeah. They're just like, no way. My hour is worth, you know, whatever I'm making at McDonald's. So I just feel like that is just as much gospel as anything else when it comes to that God has a plan for you yes. and, that, and that your time is valuable, that your life is valuable. Yeah. And so that's a really great feeling for me to be able to handle, hand that guy 90 bucks. And he's had a great time over three hours working on this truck and you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's that's a game changer in my opinion. And so I've been I've been seeing that work and I want to continue on with that very right. much so. So so again, it's kind of like all needs are met. We can be able to pull people from the community who know how to do things yeah. into these projects and also get these young people to be a part of the and, and project. experience yeah. value. Yeah. Yeah. And actually benefit from it financially. Right. And not see and not think that, you know, thinking as an entrepreneur is is in any way conflicting with what it means to be a Christ follower. Hmm. You know, it's a yeah. really interesting idea. And yeah. I think that it gives so much opportunity for explanation as well. Yeah. Right. Hey, we're going to do this. But let me tell you, like, hey, man, I'm giving you this because these funds came from, you know, these people or this vehicle came from these people who love the Lord yeah. and who wanted to give you a shot, you know, and then it's going to go on. What do they say when people. you say that? Like, what's their response? They love it. I mean, they think it's great. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, we deal with a lot of people who we may be the one person they deal with out of, let's say, seven that day um, that have any real margin, right? Or that that are healthy. Mm. Um, 
We don't yeah. say that people are good or bad because no, that no, sounds no. so very static. Yeah. But we do understand that people are living in a healthy way mm-hmm. and people are living in an unhealthy way. Um, people have margin. Mm-hmm. People lack margin. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm going to be working with a kid who from, that mor- from the moment he woke up had some pretty s- difficult situations to navigate yeah. through in his life, but then I just kind of show up as like Johnny Youth Minister and I'm all like, hey, everything's great, you know, and I'm listening to my Christian music and like thinking like, this is the answer. We have a great three hours together, but then when that kid gets dropped off again, I'm realizing that his situation is going to get really hard again. So you know what I mean? Yeah. Ministry is farming. And, and I think that I would be, it's, it's unfair for me to think that even a ministry as effective as a middleman is going to see this great, you know, Disney turnaround. In three hours. In three hours, exactly. Yeah. No, what it's going to be is, it, it, that's why I believe in local ministry. It's not about me pulling into town, you know, having all the answers and la- laser light show yeah. and then pulling out of town. <laughs> Those kids go home, and I was yeah. that kid who went home from youth group mm. and had to sit on the porch and kind of be made fun of by family members mm. for what just happened, you know, because mm. he's sitting here drinking beer and like wants to talk to me about, you know, yeah, that kind of stuff. So, yeah. so I've been there, and and I get that, and that's all the more reason why we want to have people again of margin who who love the Lord, who are healthy, yeah, um, be able to extend themselves to to these young men and, and young women who who don't have that. Right. And so one reason why we even like create a, a, a sticker like we do with our name and number on the back and and so that we can tell these people, hey, life's hard. You you're not alone. Um call me. You know, yeah. text me if you need me. And yeah. so if you just need to talk or no, someone to listen. So yeah. it's the ministry of accessibility. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it acceptance mm-hmm. for where you're at and your circumstances and absolutely all of that. That's awesome. And so your little shop that was right next to your house, mm-hmm. now you're moving into a bigger shop. That's right. That's right. Right there in the heart of downtown Waco. And so thankfully, uh, another really uh, great pastor at a local church in Waco, right across the street from the public skate park. Yes. When he heard my pitch, when I sat down with my prospectus and, uh, <laughs> and he heard the, you know, the elevator pitch um, times five, uh, that's how long it was. Uh, <laughs> I was just able to say, look, this is what the Lord's done now for the last four years that we've been here. Yeah. We're, we're, at a por- we're at a point, we are praying for place. I love where we get to live. We're about 10 minutes drive from downtown. Um, so it's not far. You, How, but you wanted to be more I didn't want in to the visit. middle of stuff. I didn't want to visit the community. I wanted to be a part. I want the double M's of middleman to be part of Waco skyline. That, that was it. the prayer that God gave us. Oh, that's cool. And it's really funny that weeks into this scenario, I get a call from a guy who owns billboards in Waco. And he's like, We'd love to put like skate camp and middleman billboards up in our uh-huh. digital. It costs us nothing. Oh, we will we will put we will put up middleman so that when people drive by, they're going to see your logo. That is so. And I was cool. like, well, there's the Lord. There he he was given. Yeah. That. yeah, and so we have a, a small office space upstairs um, at what's called the center, mm-hmm. right across the street from the skate park, and also right across the street from the skate park, we have um, a section of the bus barn that is where our woodworking takes place. That's awesome. And so where we make solid wood boards and our second chance boards and and whatever projects we have, we have our MIG welders there as well, so we can start doing um, metalwork. And then three blocks from that, another small business owner has um, given us the opportunity to be in this incredible. Uh, old Firestone building that's like seven bay doors wide. Oh, it's just wow. incredible. Yes. Um, you know, metal and just 
architecturally speaking, it's it's amazing. And you walk out the front door and you see the Alico building just to your left. Yeah. And you have where the farmer's market's taking place right there. Oh, yeah. You have this great little coffee shop. I mean, as Waco continues to develop, yes. um, we are right in the middle of it. And so our next stage is to get electricity in that building and then be able to put our our signage up on it. Yeah. And people will drive by and say, that's the middleman building. And we'll have... Um, projects going on there with with cars. We have a, a space to actually set our skateboard ramps up, and so kids can just kind of come skate for free. And there. it'll be one of those things anyone can drop by, Anybody, drop in, right. and help and do yeah. whatever. When the doors are open, that means we're there. Yeah, and we will always have something to do. And and that's the beauty. It's it's the it's the invitation of process. Like we're always so cool. going to be working on something, and it's never a case where I'm sorry you're not skilled enough. Like there will just be something to sand, you know, or there'll be something to you yes. know, assemble. Like we're always going to have something going on. Yes. And, and that's, that's awesome. what I think is just going to really, families can come and show up and we'll find something for everyone to do. Yeah. So that's our, that's our burden, right? We want to do that so that those people can, can be a part of those things and then, and yes. then be invested. So cool. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Um, what does it look like for you? Cause I'm trying to get a frame of reference as a, just a, Average parent, you know, us normal parents. What does it look like for you in your home to do kind of project things with your kids? So, you know, like like any parent, let's just maybe even say any dad that maybe has a real heart for something. Okay, if I'm still being identified as something for the past 38 years of my life, skateboarder, yes. and I, I get the question a lot, like, "Oh, your, oh wow, your kids must love skating." Yeah, I think we asked that to you today. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's a super fair question and you totally think it, um, but... They don't. Not really, no. And (laughs) and here's the thing, they're not expected to. Yeah. Like, I I think that, again, anything that the parent really values in terms of hobby, okay, um, that's, you know, that's that's for the kid to pick up. Like, Uh they may see me enjoy music or me enjoy art or, you know, me enjoy whatever I do. But um, I certainly want to have those things available to them. I want yes. to have access, but there is no expectation. That would be the worst thing hmm. that I could, that I could do, good. in yeah. my opinion, yeah. is to say, well, you know what, to keep this, you know, to keep this going. Um, you need to you're like expected. what I like. Exactly uh-huh. right. Uh-huh. Exactly right. I mean, I think that you, again, you show the benefit of it, um, but you don't, I just don't think you really expect it because you want them to find their way. And I, I found my way. And so let them find what... Let them find what connects them to the Lord, first and foremost, right? Um, as, as an act of worship. Like, gosh, how do you worship the Lord? You know, how do you feel close to Him? Mm. Is it through music? Is it through reading? Yeah. Is it through, yeah, whatever you do. Like, um, you know, Eric Lindell, I guess, from Chariots of Fire. Uh-huh. You know, when I run, I feel the Lord's pleasure. Yes. It's like, oh gosh, shouldn't we all feel, you know, when I when I sow, when I whatever, like whatever I do that I really love to do, if I'm not communing with the Lord during that time, then maybe I should think about something else, you know? So if it's life giving, if it's good for us in some way, um, then, and if it, and if it connects us with others, then, uh, then goodness, that's, that's worship, Mm -hmm. you know, and we can be, we can be a, a part of, um, a part of so many things in life now, um, that connect us with people and, and that give us that. So, I mean, I love seeing my kids just do what my kids do. And, um, yeah. and that's really been a joy as a parent, um, to encourage that and to, uh, just give them, you know, I mean, I'm no more thrilled than when, when they say, Hey, I think I want to do this. You know I mean? My daughter one time said, I, I, I think I want to like be a falconer. I don't know what that is. That's like when you straight up have a falcon and you have like a, like Renaissance festival business, like medieval times. Wow. 
and like the heavy leather glove. So what did that look like for you to be like, <laughs> okay? Well, thankfully, I can tell you that I did, we didn't. We we began the research and found you Together, know where's our closest research. right. Okay. So with that, what do you do? You say, okay, well, listen, we're going to find somebody nearby who does that. Yeah. Because I want you to get the full extent of really what that is. As sure. you know, I'm not going to go on Amazon and, and buy a Falcon and just buy yet. It. Yeah, absolutely. So um, again, that connects you with people. You know, mm-hmm. I love research. Like so I love you finding out. You reached out to somebody who was doing this exactly close right. by, and yeah. we all took a trip out and exactly. And then you go, yeah, you kind of see how long <laughs> that's going to go, um, right? And just I just think that's the beauty of. And you were fully prepared at some point to have a Falcon. That's right. That's right. The but whole, it didn't get there. Yes, and okay. I can say thankfully it didn't. Yes, it, didn't thank- get, it didn't quite get there. <laughs> But, you know, whether that it's... That is great. It just, okay, let's research it. Let's yep. see how much it costs. Let's see what it takes. Exactly. And if we, I, here's the here's the kind of the parenting hack. I think that if we take it seriously, right yes. off the bat, you yes. know, and they're like, okay, okay, let's take a look at that. You know, let's think about what that might be. It might be synchronized swimming or it might be, you know, whatever. Yes. Like, I think it's so important instead of, I, you know, it's, it's a hard lesson to learn, but sometimes our kids come up with some pretty crazy ideas they do. and our gut response may, might be to laugh it off. Yeah. Or no. Yeah. Or just to say, no way, you know, come on, yes. get real. That, that can, I think that can really do some damage, yeah. you know, instead. It squelches your spirit. I, yeah. I would, I would, I think that it's a win to say, Hey, that's a really interesting idea. And I don't, I know nothing about that. Let's do some fact finding and even better yet. Why don't you go online, you know, or why don't you look it up? We're, uh-huh. we're going to go to the library. Yes. I want you to three choose three books about that topic. And then I want you to maybe, maybe a little prepare something for me, a little presentation. Yeah. You know, give me a little PowerPoint and me and your dad are going to sit down on the couch and we just, Figure out. and you, you sell it to us. Yeah. I mean, man, isn't that like, isn't that giving life, them some tools? Life skills. Yeah. Oh my God. You're taking them seriously. Yes. And you're, you're even giving them like, Hey, you know what? When I, when I worked on that, like I kind of enjoy doing research. I wonder mm. if maybe, you know, doing research might be something that I do. Yeah, and to say, okay, well, great, you know, and and here's another valuable lesson I think too is that um, I think we're so quick when we're when we're, par- when we're parenting because we want our kids to be successful, mm-hmm. and so because we live in a, a framework that basically says I am what I do professionally, that we yes. can be sometimes too quick to say, oh, you're interested in this. Well, you know what you should do for a career, and oh. and in some ways, I've I've even realized that my own kids have I've heard, you know what. I wasn't really looking like to become that. <laughs> I I just thought it might be a fun thing to do. Fun activity. You know what I mean? Yes. So sometimes parents can kind of err. They can maybe get a little too excited about something or or maybe not not enough. Yeah. You know? um, but just kind of taking that extra moment of thinking like, okay, let me hear let me hear my kid out on this. Um, how can I nurture this? Not make it about what they're going to do as a career. Yes. And and also not laughing it off mm-hmm. as like, yeah. you know, no way you're going to go to clown school or whatever. Yes. But instead like, okay. Let's look into that. Another thing that I am navigating, because I feel like so much, a lot of parenting pulls out your personal deals too, your personal insecurities, the personal things you need to work with, that I think I get vulnerable when my boys are like, I want to do this. And I'm like, I don't know anything about that. Mm -hmm. And I, so it makes, it speaks like you're, you, like this insecurity in me. Okay. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, Is it like your child saying, I have a need, and then you say, well, wait a minute, I, I, I as a parent can't meet that can't, need. That's, exi- and that's I exactly am, it. And I'm inadequate. That's exactly it. And But here's what I've navigated, and this has happened to me a few times in the past probably six months, where what I realize is exactly what you've been talking about. I go, 
who do I know that does know about this? Mm-hmm. And I will write up an email and I feel nervous sending it for some reason. Mm-hmm. And I send it and guess what happens? They are so thrilled that I ask, let me come over. I will show him. They're so happy. You're right. There's a pressure. There's a pressure to know it all. I mean, even back to being like on staff at a church, I feel like yeah. sometimes we're expected to be, um, you just have superpowers of like, wow, you do it all. Like, show me how competent you are. And yeah. I, I learned long ago in the church, in church life, um, I think I'm better off by showing people that I don't have all the answers <laughs> so that they can they can fill in the gaps. I actually don't have that many talents. I- <laughs> exactly. Yes. I need, to, I need to show you how incompetent yeah. I am. So that, you know what, but, but I need to stress my gifts. I need to stress my strengths. This is what I am good at. This is what I right. do bring to the table. The rest of you need to help yeah. me out. And yeah. if, you're not, if you're not expecting me to do the things that I'm not good at, then I'm only going to thrive even more in the things that I am good at. Yeah. And everybody will be happy with that, you know? Yeah. And so it, it's a yeah. win. It's a, that's team. That's, that's yeah. surrounding yourself with people who are not like you. Yep. I don't want a, a bunch of yes people. I want people who will fill in the gaps. Yes. And, and who are, you know, again, like, look, we got some kids who aren't getting, you know, who aren't getting talk to. I don't, I don't connect with them. I know their names, but they don't want to have anything to do with me. You, Somebody you know, they're else yours. who will connect. Yeah. Exactly. That's so good. Yeah. So yeah. same thing with parenting, you know, in, in that way of being like, I mean, it really does take a village, right? And, it does. And you're right. Adults. It does. Adults love nothing more than a, than a, than a child or a teenager coming to them, um, with, you know, like a need, like back yeah. to our project vehicles of what we would do. You know what I would do? I would send like 14 year old Laney, I would send her, I would take her with me to discount tire. And because that, that vehicle that we're working on, if, you know, I walk in and I'm like, Hey, I, you know, it's, I'm, I do with this ministry and you know, they're like, okay, great. I'm a grown man. You're a grown man. I mean, that's fine. I'm not going to give you any extra, but watch Laney walk in there and say, hi, I'm a part of this youth ministry. We're rebuilding this truck and we wanted to see if we can get any kind of a discount on these wheels. I love it. They're like, Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, we'll do it for free. You know, oh, like, you know yes. what I mean? Because a they're team. like, Let's work I together. can't believe. Yeah. yeah. So you're like, that's just, that's just a really beautiful thing. Yeah. Adults are blessed when, when children care about like something that they care about yes. and they're so willing to, to give and because that makes that thing kind of go to the next generation. Yes. And we've lost too many things from generation to generation. Um, that's a shame. That's part of what we want to do with middleman is just like have experience and, and be a very, as I say, a very analog ministry in a digital world. Too many things get thrown away or replaced as opposed to restored. So we want to work with stuff that gets restored. We want to fix things, you know? We want to play a record. Like I want, I seriously, we have a record player in our shop. And so... We do things that, that, you know, you have to plug in and um, we have as little Wi-Fi as possible because we want, we want mechanical as opposed yes. to digital, you know, and like, yes. show me how this thing works and like, okay, I pull this and then that happens over there. Like the connection, everything's connected. Yeah. But the, the problem with, with Wi-Fi is that it's all just so inanimate and it's all just kind of so like theoretical even like yeah. there are forces that are taking place and I can't see. And it's, dis- it's it, it makes it disconnected. Yeah. yeah. And and what we want to do is the whole idea behind even technology is like the study of how something works and the, st- uh, the knowledge. Like we, we should know, not just experience. We experience, and I think that we're going we're gonna to continue to experience things and we have no idea how they work. Yeah. 
So anyway, just another yeah. just another kind of soapbox that I find myself on is that is yeah. that um, there are too many people, and let me just kind of say, even in our churches, like generations that that are, have been sidelined because they are now irrelevant. Yes, and that, I'm like, yes, I know. No, they're they're too wise, and they've experienced too many yeah. wonderful things, and they know yeah. how to do too many incredible things. I learned that in rural Texas with these people who just have lived some lives, you know, and again, like, hey, can I just come hang out and just kind of see what your day's going? Or like, hey, you're processing chickens. You know, you've never lived until you've processed chickens on somebody's farm, just like straight up. I want to know, I want to know what it's like to, you know, go from that animal to the plate. And like, it'll give you an appreciation. So I know, I don't know that I have that interest in me, but I'm sure it's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy stuff. Yeah. Okay. Any other parenting wisdom? Goodness. I've got too much. You have a lot. Um, the start for me was marry up. Um, <laughs> and every day, remember, I, you know, I look over at this woman and I say, I really don't deserve her. Mm. Like I, I literally, it, sound, it sounds cheesy and campy. You, this is maybe where the violin, we can dub in some violin music at okay. this time to get okay. really sappy, like an episode of Full House. <laughs> But I'm going to tell you legitimately, I'm 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 right in my marriage, and I'm and I'm I'm focused as a parent when I when I start the day, understanding that that this person is a gift from the Lord, mm. and like I I haven't done anything to deserve her, and so I'm so very grateful for her. Yeah. And I'm not fearful of losing her. However, yeah, I will continue to pursue, and I will continue to model this relationship of these people who have known each other longer than we've been alive. More of your life has been with her than without. And so, um, and she's still just my favorite person. You know what I mean? Like, and that, again, that, like that is, that takes work and that, that takes process. For sure. For sure. It's not that every day is fun. Nope. Not at all. Not at all. But, um, and then we're, we're, what we're doing is we're trying to show these people that live in our home, like, Hey, this is what it should look like. Mm -hmm. This is what we want for you. What we have we want for you. Yeah. And it's, and, and it's, and don't hear me say like, you need to start dating when you're 15 years old by any means. Yeah. Um, but our hope is that we have loved each other well and that, um, you have been the fruit of this, of this relationship, right. you know, right. that goes for my, my biological children. It mm-hmm. goes for my adopted child. Mm-hmm. It, it makes no difference whatsoever. Right. These are, yeah. these are my people. Wait, um, I didn't know one of your children is adopted. Yes, our Evie is adopted. Uh huh. She's nine, and just what a beautiful but thing that you to be a part of. It's yeah. Adoption. Yeah. Yeah. You love them the same. You love them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's difficult. Yeah. And you struggle. Yeah. And you slip up. Yeah. You sometimes say something like, you know, talking about one of your children about, you know, the the genes or like, you know, oh, I yeah. see this, you know, and you know, then it's like, uh, it's just it hurts a little bit yeah. because because that you doesn't ex- yeah. exist for all of them. All that to say. Um, Man, what a what a wonderful thing it is, and yeah. and so hard. You know, parenting is long days, short years. Yeah, and I can't believe that the Lord would love us so much that He would allow us this responsibility mm. to to nurture these people into adulthood. Yeah, you know, and to and to give them all the good and the bad of of what it means to to just be in a family, and yes. then th- that's reflecting the family of God. As a mom to boys, I so appreciated John's wisdom about how great conversations don't have to happen across a table. I mean, of course they do sometimes, 
but for some kids, it's far more meaningful and effective if it happens along the way, as, you know, maybe you're working on a car. Now, in my case, I'm not working on cars. No one needs me to work on their vehicle. Trust me, that would not work out. But something in me, I don't know what it is, says like, you got to have these meaningful face-to-face conversations. When actually, the truth is, I've had some really great, meaningful conversations with my eight-year-old son as we were walking home from school or kicking the soccer ball back and forth. It's pretty cool how God uses our activities for connection with one another. All right, so if you want to learn more about Middleman Ministries, I'm going to link it in the show notes. Uh, You can also follow along on the Instagram page as well. Um, You'll see, you know, what vehicle they're fixing up, what skateboard ramp they're on. Um, And at some point this year, Middleman will have this place that he talked about and it'll be open for anyone to drop by. So when you're in Waco, you can swing by and see what they have going on. It's right by the silos. It is going to be so cool. Also, be sure to follow Four Parents Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, share this episode with a friend. Oh, I would love it if you would share it. Talk to you guys next time.